Good morning, Lake Bible. Good morning. Come on in. Anybody else left out in the narthex? Come and grab a seat. Those of you who are in here and just kind of standing around visiting, I hate to interrupt. I'm sorry. But we're going to worship the Lord together now. Come find yourself a seat if you don't already have one. And uh, thanks for joining us. Anybody watching online as well, we're always glad to have you. And uh, let's just open with a word of prayer to the Lord, and then we'll start our time of, of praise to him. Father, we just uh, we just present ourselves to you, Lord. Some of us here in this church, um, we've had a, 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 an especially busy week. Um, many of us here in this church, busy um, serving you uh, with Journey to Bethlehem or with other ministries here at the church. Um, and so, Lord, we just... Uh, we come to you, Lord, uh, even in uh, in our fatigue, and just uh, submit ourselves to you, and just recognizing God that that you have work to do within us, and submitting ourselves to that project, submitting ourselves to the work of your Holy Spirit and the work of your Word upon our hearts, and Lord, we just uh, this morning. Ask that as, as Pastor Jim preaches from your word, that you would accomplish that work that you intend to do within us, Lord. That uh, we could begin to reflect uh, your son to those around us more this next week than we did last week. That is always our hope and our intention. And so, Lord, we just uh, we present ourselves to you. For that purpose and to just reflect upon and uh, uh, glorify you for what you have done, Lord, for the salvation that you have wrought for us. We just thank you and we just give this time to you in Jesus name. Amen. Let's stand together and reflect on those things in praise to the Lord.
Amen. You guys can be seated. And uh, I'd like to invite up Paula Howard and Olivia. They're going to share with us the the Advent reading for this morning. Good morning. And uh, like Brian said, I'm Paula Howard, and this is my daughter, Olivia. And... um, Today is the third Sunday of the Advent season in which we commemorate the coming of our Savior. The first candle we lit this season was the candle of hope and prophecy. Last week, we lit the Bethlehem candle, which is also the candle of anticipation. Today, we light the angel candle, which is the candle of celebration. Despite all of the prophecies and the promises God had made concerning the Messiah, Jesus became a man within a world that did not realize it needed a savior or it did not recognize his coming. But the magnificence of this event was not lost on the host of heaven or on those whom God had given wisdom through the world, through his word, excuse me. Jesus arrived seemingly without the fanfare or recognition that he deserved. In Luke chapter 2, 1 through 7, we read, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quinarius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of um, to the house and the line of David, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She was wrapped. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. But the host of heaven would not allow the king of the world to arrive unannounced. They sang his praises, celebrated his coming, and used lowly shepherds to spread the word of celebration. Uh, In Luke chapter 2, 8 through 21, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, of a, uh, oh sorry, <laughs> today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. Uh, he is the Messiah, the Lord. Uh, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his Savior rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. 
So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, and the name the angel had given him before was conceived. God also revealed the identity of baby Jesus to an old man named Simeon, who celebrated him with praises. Luke 22 through 35. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping what is said in the law to the Lord, a pair of doves and two pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit uh, that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was about what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, this child, this child is destined to cause the fall, falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Even Magi from pagan lands in the east were moved to come to celebrate the arrival of King Jesus. Matthew chapter 9 verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star, and it rose, and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all of the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But, to, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen 
when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Okay, let's celebrate in prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, it is beyond our ability to imagine how the glorious God of heaven could become a man simply to save us. Lowly creations that could have never earned or deserved such a salvation. We can only marvel and praise and celebrate what you have done. Though Simeon foretold that your coming would be a sign that would be spoken against, revealing the inner thoughts of many, the offer of your salvation is extended even to those who have despised you, if they only repent. We pray that more would be brought to repentance and may join us in celebrating all that you have done. We give you all glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, guys. Can we give them a a hand? (laughs) Amen. Let's, uh, Let's praise the Lord in response to that reading from Scripture. Let's praise the Lord with just a couple more songs.
Amen. You guys can be seated. Good morning. We'll all be glad when this drought is over, won't we? supposed to be funny. But like my daughter says, I seldom succeed. (laughs) It is great to see everybody. We we certainly get our our share of rain, but we we had a good weekend, didn't we? Those of you who are here, I cannot, I want to give everybody a hand. Let's do that. I, uh, as I always do, I went through the drama last night. If you haven't been there, it's short, but it's effective. And I ask myself, this is not a program. This is a witness in a dark time. Uh, is the gospel there? And I walked away and I said, yes, it was. It was short, clear, and effective. And we thank God for that. I want to thank everyone in this congregation who participated in any way. And some of you went way over your heads. Standing out in the cold, standing out in the rain, others of you doing other things. You were here many hours. We had people, as we always do, we had people who worked hours and hours. I had one little fellow, a younger fellow, told me, I've been here five days uh, you know, he's he's just an early teenager. I've been here five days, and some were here, uh, adults, a lot longer. Can't tell you how much we appreciate that. It honors the Lord as long as it's done under the Lord. And to my appearances, it looked like it was. I've given the staff tomorrow off, so if you're looking for any of our staff except me, an Aussie. They won't be here tomorrow. I did tell them they could go ahead and come in if they wanted to. <laughs> no, we want to give them a break. Wish we could give all of you a break. But thanks so much for all you did. Those who made cookies, we were a little worried earlier. We've never had a problem. A little worried earlier in the week. Are we going to have enough? Well, we had, we had enough and overflowing. And, uh, by the way, I went out there and tested the cookies. There are some ready for you after the service, but I wanted to be sure they were safe. So I went out and checked them out. They appear to be safe. So enjoy them after the service. And God bless you all. We've got, uh, it almost appears like an attack on this congregation. We have so many people who are sick, and it's not just older people. And we had one young man who this week had to have brain surgery. And we don't know yet whether it's malignant or whether it's the tests aren't or whether it's benign. But in any case, it's serious. And then we have another one of our men who's was in the hospital. We didn't know it over at Meridian Park. Steve Holm 
since last Sunday early. And uh, he almost bled out the other night. He's now up at OHSU where his condition can be treated better. So pray for these. And then, of course, there's our beloved Jim Snyder, who's uh, over here at the uh, Hopewell House and nearing the end. So there are others who are struggling in various ways. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this wet, dreary December day. But we thank you for the rain because we know we need the sunshine and the rain. We uh, want to pray for all of our people. We know sitting before us, our Heavenly Father, there are people in distress. There are people who are hurting, maybe emotionally, maybe financially, maybe socially, who just feel alone. Whatever the case, our Heavenly Father, we pray that your spirit might be near to them and that he may give them peace where currently they don't feel peace. Only you, our Father, can cause us to grieve and to rejoice at the same time. It's a mystery that only knowing God can explain. We pray for your provision for any who are short. And now, our Father, we pray your blessing upon this service. We pray that your word may go forth with illuminating effect, instructive effect, exhorting, admonishing, corrective effect where needed. We pray that you may be glorified in your Son and the gospel may be magnified, your word, in this service. We ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, we pick up from last Sunday. We say this only for guests. The rest of you know it. Our brand here, it should be the brand of every church. Unfortunately, it's not. It's not even usually the case. People say, well, our church is Bible-based. Sometimes I wonder what on earth that means. We are here to expound the Word of God. And so we pick up our exposition in the Gospel of John. I'm going to go back over the end of verse 13. There was something I left out last Sunday that I do not want to leave out, but it connects intimately with chapter 14. We're going to be looking at the first six verses. So let me back up to verse 36 of John chapter 36. Read that, and then we'll be on our way. Jesus had earlier said to his disciples, he kept tapping them on the shoulder, trying to tell them that things were about to radically change. He was going to die just a few hours later on the cross. He had said, I'm going away, and where I'm going, you cannot come, at least now. This really excited, in a negative way, Simon Peter. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered cryptically, Where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow later. Then Peter said to him, <coughs> Lord, why cannot I follow you right now? 
I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a cock shall not crow until you deny me three times. That's just hours later. Then he says in chapter 14, there's connectivity between all of this, even though there's a chapter division. Shifts the subject a little bit, and he says to his disciples who are distressed, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God. It's a Greek present tense. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. There's hope. That where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes unto the Father but through me. What I want to go back to chapter 13 and emphasize is something that is not obvious, but it is so very true. All Peter had heard the Lord say in the midst of all of his discourse, and this is called the upper, upper room discourse, where the Last Supper was instituted. He just, I just rang in his ear, I'm going away. He said to all the disciples, someplace that you're not able to come now. Of course, he meant to be back with his father. That was not a trivial thing for any for Peter to get hung up on. But Peter, from everything Jesus had been saying, heard danger, danger, danger ringing in his mind. And this was good. There's nothing sinful about this. This is very good. Peter said, I'm going to be there for him. I want him to know that wherever he's going, He's not going to go alone. I'm going to have his back. So he said, Lord, wherever it is you're going, I will die for you. And Jesus said, really? We talked about this last week, about not cashing checks with your mouth that you can't support. Lots of times we think we're braver and bolder than we are. I'm just reviewing. And Peter was one of those at this time. I will tell you that at the end, he would not let the Romans put him to death the same way Jesus was. He demanded to be crucified upside down. What a shift. But any, at any rate right here, he is like we sometimes are. When it comes to the things of God, we sometimes give our credit, ourselves credit for more courage, more grit, 
that is presently available. And I emphasize to you, don't do that. Remember that dying for Christ takes dying grace. And if we're determined to do that, ask God for the courage, for the sand to do it when it comes. None of us know what we'll do until we face that. But here's the point that I didn't make that I wanted to make last week. It's, um, there's something about us that uh, it's going on right now this morning, right now as you sit here. It's always the case in this congregation, always the case. People here hurting. People here very distracted. You have my commendation for getting out of bed and getting here even though you're burdened, even though you're maybe stressed out of your mind. I can relate to that. But here's what happens to us, and it happened to Peter right here, and it could be happening to you. You come and the pastor gets up here, and we're bringing a message. And uh, we're hung up on things about us and around us. And uh, we're sitting there in our chairs. Our minds are at home or they're at work. It's human. It's not some great big sin. It's just that we're weak and we're human. Maybe a husband, maybe a wife, maybe a friend, a, a male friend or a lady friend. Stuff we're hung up on. Stuff we don't know quite what we're going to do about. <clears throat> well, that's where Peter was. It was good that he wanted to die for the Lord. He wanted to be there and have his back. Oh, that was great. But Peter was just like we tend to be. He had his mind on what he was preferring to think about at the moment instead of having his mind on what Jesus wanted him to hear. Peter's all concerned when Jesus says, where I'm going, you cannot go now. Beep. Where would that be? Where's he going to go? But I cannot go now. Is he going to be walking into danger? I'm going to be there for him. What Jesus really wanted Peter to get is what he's about to say in chapter 14, who he is. You know, lots of times when we come to church, provided it's a faithful pastor, they'll be up there, they have the message that God's given them. The message is right before us. It may not directly relate to what is burdening us, but we must discipline ourselves, as Peter didn't at this time, just to focus on what Jesus is saying. You can think about those other things, but just push them to the side. The Spirit of God has something he wants to say to you now. I don't know what's on your mind, but what I'm going to say in chapter 14 is what he wants you to hear right now. Excuse me. And what I need to do right now is tend to my nose. 
This is really good photography. Get it up there, guys. Put it online. Looks good. I look so very sophisticated. Oh, gee. Now I think I'll live. Let's move on. So once he warns Peter not to overestimate his courage and tells him, as a matter of fact, you're going to fail miserably, Peter will shortly recover from that. He'll repent. But Jesus knows what's going on. So he tells him in verse 14, verse 1 of chapter 14, look, are you listening? And I would say to you in his behalf, let not your hearts be troubled, be distressed. Which is not to say you don't have plenty to be troubled or be distressed about. Not everybody, but some of you do. Then he says the way to manage that. Look, you are good, pious Jews. You are not among the unbelieving Jews. You are those who, who know God. The Father, you trust in him. That's your way of life. It's a Greek present tense, which means that's your habit. That is what you do. You trust in God, our Father. Jesus says, but I want you to know me. I want you to know me better. And then he says something that's more startling. And maybe it had been. You trust in the Father. Well, I'm telling you. And I'm telling you in his behalf. Be trusting in me. What's he doing? He is equating himself with the Father. To trust in the Father is to trust in me. I want you to get it. I want you to understand who I am. I'm not some sort of sub-deity. I'm not half God and half. You are looking at God manifested in the flesh. Trust in me. So he wants them to anchor their faith in him. Folks, I've been writing about this. I'm trying to finish this book. You, you cannot trust in God unless you trust in Jesus, for he is God manifested in the flesh. He wants them to get a higher and bigger view of himself. They're not going to get all this right now, but they will remember it. And when the Spirit comes, it'll all land. Be trusting in me. Now what's their future? Well, in a few hours, he's going to be arrested. He's going to go before a kangaroo court. He's going to be abused and shamed and humiliated. His body is going to be beaten so bad you can see the bones. He says, this is not a story of tragedy, of defeat. This is a story of victory. Where am I going? He says in verse 2, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. 
Now that may seem kind of lame, but let me explain this. It is an oriental metaphor. Speaking of a grand palace, grand grounds, Jesus says, I'm going to return to my father. In my father's house, as there were in the cases of oriental kings, their sons and their daughters lived on the palace grounds. They lived in the palace. I'm going to the palace. And in that palace, there are many rooms. It's a metaphor to accommodate all of God's people. He doesn't tell them that here. He has told them they're going to suffer themselves and they're going to be put to death. And people who would do it thinking they're doing God a service by killing them and abusing them. Jesus, Jesus says, I'm going back where I came from, back to heaven. In my father's house, there are many rooms, Monet, plural, many rooms. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. I've got you in mind where I'm going. I will not leave you orphans. That's not going to happen. If I go and prepare a place for you, folks, this applies to you and me. I will come again and receive you to myself. I'm going to return. And we're waiting on that return. I don't know when it will be. You don't know when it will be. But let me tell you something and jack this. I speak to all of you who know the Lord. Prepare your minds for the long haul. Pastor, what do you mean? Well, I've said this before. Maybe like things Jesus said, they didn't land. Maybe it'll land this time. People are always asking me, Pastor, do you think the Lord's coming soon? And my answer is, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Here's our problem as Western and particularly American believers. Big problem. Christians in this country are and have been an anomaly. We've lived an irregular existence for most of our national history, except maybe the Civil War. We have not suffered for Christ. We tend to be kind of soft and lame. And the first time things start looking a little black, a little ominous, maybe a little scary, we American Christians tend to think, get a prophecy. The Lord's coming. It's right around the corner. It may be. Then again, it may not be. We don't know flip about the suffering the Christian church has gone through down through the centuries. Awful, unbelievable suffering. Well, it may be coming to us. And it may not be the second coming of the Lord that's right in the wings. It could occur at any time, and I hope it does. 
Personally, I'm not going to live too long. (laughs) But I know this, that if I do live, we may go through that stuff. I'm just preparing my mind for the long haul. But I'm going to need grace, and you're going to need grace. But what is our hope? The Lord will come. And if he doesn't come, and you and I die a natural death or some other kind of death, if we do, we've still got that hope. He went away to prepare a place for us. And no matter what happens to us here, we've got a place with him there. I'm going to prepare a place for you, he says in verse 33, the verse 3, that where I am, there you may be also. So there's your answer, Peter. Now there's another little emphasis I want to insert here. This was kind of late a morning with me, but it's hit me, I mean consciousness, and hit me hard. I just am jarred when I hear people say, do you think you're going to go to heaven? Listen, folks, let's understand it, get it. I have to qualify this, but this whole deal is not about going to heaven. That's so materialistic, so American. Are you going to get to go to Hawaii? That's not what it's about. It's going to be with where? It's going to be with him. Some preacher, a good one, asked the question several years ago, would you be satisfied going to heaven if Jesus weren't there? Ah, ask yourself that question. We ought to be able to say, no, he's the ball game. It's being with him. It happens to be where? In what we call heaven, what the Bible calls heaven, the seat of the presence of the glory of God. What we want to do is go and be with him. And obviously, if you don't know him, you won't even want heaven. You won't want to be with him. That's what it's all about, that where I am, there you may be also. His disciples, thankfully, wanted to be with him, and we want to be with him. All the other trappings are just part of the glory of God. But I tell you, this pastor is not about getting to go to heaven. This pastor is about being able to transcend, transition into the presence of God and his son, who sits at his right hand. Then Jesus says in verse 4, And you know the way where I'm going. Thomas, so true to his personality as we see it, he said, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Then Jesus said to him, boy, I love this. I quote it all the time. 
Thomas, everybody, ears up. How can we know the way? I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes unto the Father but by me. There's the final word. There's the last word. If you want to be in the presence of God, if you want to share in the glory of God, if you want to hear those words, well done, you good and faithful servant, if you want to know, you're looking at the way. You're looking at the one who has paved the way by his death on the cross. Let me just break that out a little bit, the way. I say this not for those of you who are veteran Christians who have known the Lord since you were small as a grasshopper. I speak that to anybody here who may not know the Lord Jesus Christ. There are always people here who don't. We are all by birth, sinners. The word means we are people who have missed the mark, missed God's mark. That's been the case ever since you were born, though initially that didn't appear. But as time goes on, it appears. We are rebels against God at heart. We don't have any taste for the true and the living God. God's, yes, but not any true and living God. We need a way because the wages of sin is death. God has given you the right not to believe that. God has given you the right to deny that, but he's also given you the right to face the consequences. Jesus says, I am the way. That means he laid down his life. He let the Romans crucify him. He laid down his life, he said, on his own. Nobody took it from him. He gave it up for you and me. There had to be a death. There had to be a, an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That atoning sacrifice required one of infinite worth. He is God in the flesh. One who was absolutely innocent of all sins. One who had lived before the law of God like a man and fulfilled it. Never missed one step. Because he is infinitely precious, he can die for all men. And he did. I'm the way. There's no end run around Jesus. I get so... If you're sensing weariness up here, you've got it. I get wearier almost every day. I get so bored with the life that I see around me. This and that and this and that, more of this and more of that. Even seeing a woman coming out over here, Lake Oswego, it was 55 degrees and her top down on her Porsche. So boring. Lady, what are you thinking? Are you a child? Get that stupid top up. Learn what it is to live, to have life and that more abundantly. 
Who are you trying to impress, you silly lady? So tired of it. Don't know the way. The way to God. That's what you need. The way to God. The way to know the living God. Jesus says, I'm the way. For every one of you, I tell you, you will never be able, if you're in this room, never be able to say to God when you face him, but I never knew. You know. Right now, you know. Right now, you know. Jesus said, I'm the way. If you reject it, it's all on you. You need to fall at the foot of the cross, metaphorically. Let his sprinkled blood fall on you. That atoning sacrifice which cleanses you of all your sin. Jesus says, I'm the truth. Well, there are various ways you can define truth. But for our purposes and for Jesus's, the truth means that which is in accordance with reality. In this life, we Americans, I speak of Americans, it's all, we don't live according to reality. This whole life is kind of a fantasy thing. We can't get real. We look for peace where it can't be found. We look for wealth where it can't be found. We look for happiness where it can't be found. Momentary, yes. Some of you pick up a lottery ticket and you happen to find that that's a winning lottery ticket for a billion dollars. You can have momentary joy. It won't last you. Most of those people who come across that kind of good fortune, some of them will say, they will literally say, I wish I'd never had. No, you get a new car, that won't bring you happiness. You get a new house, you get two of them, that won't bring you happiness. Your kids are successful. That won't bring you happiness. Not for long. We don't live according to reality. The word of Jesus is the word of the Father. The word of Jesus is the word of God. And that is truth. Jesus says, truth, you're looking at it. I am the truth. He is truth and he tells the truth. You've got to get your life in alignment with him. And then you will know the truth. He said, if you are my disciples to some who profess to be, he didn't say church members. If you're my disciples as you're presently claimed to be, then keep my word. Do what I say, which is the truth. Follow me, which is following the truth. Follow me. And the truth shall make you free. I often wonder when I see all this racial stuff and everything, and it's terrible, some of it, but I wonder, I see people, I see children, I see women, men, everybody. Everybody feels like they're in bondage to something. Women feel like it's men. Children feel like it's parents. And if you're some other color other than white, you feel like it's them. People can't feel free. We live in the freest country on earth, but people don't feel free. It's the bondage of sin. It's the bondage of Satan. They can't feel free. 
Jesus says, you get in line and you follow me and the truth shall make you free. I don't know about you. I feel very free. Very free. It's a wonderful life. I can't explain it. I feel free. The truth shall make you free. Get in line and follow it. Jesus says, I am the way. I'm the truth. You need to get in alignment with him, which is the truth, and follow after him. Take up your cross and bear it. That doesn't sound like freedom to me, but it is. It's the freest life anybody could ever live. And I'm the life. In him is life. He doesn't just give life. He is life. He's the fountainhead of life. It all flows from him. Do you know through whom the Father created this world? Him. Do you want to know, folks, who he is? Let me read to you. This won't be up there because I didn't tell him to. It just hit me. So Hebrews chapter 1. Listen to this. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets and in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, what we call the church age, he has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the world. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Through Jesus, God made the world. He's the one. He's the one who walked among us. And who is he? He is the radiance of his glory. And he is the exact representation of his nature. He upholds all things. His life. By the word of his power. And when he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Who is Jesus? That's Jesus. He is the way, he's the truth, and the life. And let me tell you something. I'll tell you just what he said. I'm like a parrot up here. No one comes unto the Father except through me. I just get so tired of hearing say, God, 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 God. Trust in God. I'm talking about people who are supposed to be evangelical. That's not wrong. But God wants to be worshipped and served in his son. God says, this is my son. Believe in him. Trust in him. Walk after him. Take up your cross and follow him. That's me. Nobody comes unto the Father except through me. Let's not always talk about God. Let's not talk to our friends and neighbors because somehow it seems easier to talk to them about God. You know where the rub is. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. That's the rub. There's the friction point. It's Jesus. The Jesus we're talking about. 
not some reduced cowboy Jesus, but the Jesus of the Bible. I am the way, man. I am the truth. Show us the Father. Jesus says, it's me. It's me. Well, nothing could be better this Christmas for some of you. Nothing could be more revolutionary and transforming than to just finally face the truth. There's that little voice down there that's telling maybe some of you that pastor's telling you the truth. If that little voice is not down there, I'm really, really, really worried. Worried that it's been turned off. That voice should be there. And you should not be saying, nope, Nope, there's going to be got to be another way. I've known people who just said, "Well, I tell you, my granddaddy was a one of the kindest, most wonderful people on earth. You can't tell me that God, if there is a God, is going to turn him away. I can't tell you that because we're all sinners. There is none good in the sight of God." That includes you and granddaddy and grandma, your mother and your father, and anybody else you know. My brother used to say that he had a Catholic friend, a guy in business. says it's one of the most wonderful people he ever knew. That guy, for he may have known the Lord, but he didn't know that. He just said, I've got to be all right if my friend is all right. No. You don't see the hearts of men as God sees the hearts of men. You're a mess on the inside. You've never kept the law of God 60 seconds in your life. And what is it? Love the Lord your God with all your strength and with all your might. And love your neighbor as yourself. You've never done that for six seconds in your life. You're a treasure of the law of God. And the wages of that transgression is death. Not just physical death. That's the outward symptom. Spiritual death. Eternal separation from God if it comes to that. You need to be saved. You're lost. For those of us who are saved, Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. And it will be wonderfully prepared. One day he's coming in great glory. Not the way he went down, but the way he went up. He's coming in great glory. And we're going to be with him forever. That's our hope. I don't know what's going to happen in this world. I do know that if we keep going, if I, keep, I do know one day my number is going to come up. And the Lord's going to call me home. He's going to call my wife home. He's going to call you home. I know that's going to happen. Whether by disease or by accident or just wearing out. It's going to happen. Did you hear? Pastor Jim is dead. 
Well, I, so you say, boy, I got tired listening to him. Yeah. But one of these days, that's going to happen to every one of us. People are going to be shocked. Maybe when we were young. They were so young. But if we know him, we're transitioning right into his presence, who's the way, the truth, and the light. And he has a place prepared for us. And if we don't go to him, he's coming to us. But if we don't know him, I say it caring. You're going into eternal darkness. You're not going to be annihilated, or you're going into everlasting darkness to what the Bible calls hell. That's awful. That's awful. I urge you this Christmas season to make it the greatest gift you ever have. Receive the gift of life in our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son who came into this world at this Christmas season, entered as a baby, grew up as a man, and offered himself and his humanity as an atoning sacrifice for our sins on the cross. Lord, these are days when men and women's hearts are hard, when their ears are stiff, their hearts are unresponsive, and yet you do glean among them. Our Father, we pray that you will still call some that we know and we love, call them to yourself in the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Cause the Spirit of God to make that call compelling, And we'll rejoice in the outcome. We ask it in his name. Amen. Amen. Well, after a message like that, I want to go back to just a portion of what we heard earlier in the service uh, from the Advent reading um, because of what Pastor Jim emphasized, that uh, uh, we can talk all day to people about God, but where the rub really comes is when we talk about Jesus specifically. It's easy for people to to uh, just kind of give a nod to God, uh, but Jesus he can be a problem. And uh, it's it's like uh, Simeon said in the reading earlier this morning. <clears throat> he prophesied when he held the baby Jesus at the temple. And he said, this child is destined to be the cause of the falling and rising of many in Israel. And to be a sign that will be rejected. And a lot of people reject Jesus. Indeed, he says... As a result of him, the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And that is, that is the case. It is, it's Jesus that really reveals what our disposition is towards the Lord. And, uh, so we're going to, uh, we're going to sing one last song that just, uh, praises the Lord for Jesus and, uh, and just confesses our commitment to him. And, uh, yeah, the, it, and, and the grace that he offers to us is offered to all, no matter what vices you may have indulged in in, in your past, whether you've lived a, a good life uh, in your own eyes or, or uh, a life of many regrets and, and poor decisions. 
even if you've uh, taken your convertible out in 50 degree weather with the top down, you can still be saved. So uh, with that, let's just stand together and uh, we're going to praise the Lord with one last song and just thank him for that salvation that he offers to us. And as we sing, the ushers are going to pass around the offering plate this morning. So just keep your eyes peeled for that as it comes by. Let's sing together.
Um, we are just uh, about perfect on time, but I'm going to ask you to sit down for just a moment so I can make sure that we're imperfect on time. Um, we do have a couple of announcements, and uh, I just felt your knees could use a break. Um, we just heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, did we not? Amen. John 14, 1 through 6. As Pastor Jim said, if you were here, you can't say you didn't hear. Yeah. Eternal life is not a place, it's a person. And that person is Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe, the author of all reality. And literally hundreds of people in 48 hours heard the message because of your efforts on Friday and Saturday. Hundreds of people in our state and Washington and Salem and different cities around us heard that eternal life is a person and his name is Jesus. And so well done. I'm just echoing Pastor Jim's commendation. Um, one anecdote, because I think it's helpful when we have all of us together to crystallize in our mind uh, with just an anecdote. I talked to a gal and I said, so is this a story that is familiar to you? Or is this a story that you've heard kind of for the first time? And her response was, and I know Lisa and Orlando may appreciate this. She said, I'm from China. And I said, well, there are Christians in China. But she said, not for me. She said, but I am curious though, because I've been hearing in the scientific and the technological community, because she was highly educated and highly professional, that we recognize we have ignorance. There are things that are real, as Pastor Jim said, the author of reality, that science doesn't explain, that the knowledge of man can't quite reach. And so we got into the gospel of Jesus on a more personal note. The majority of people who come to Journey to Bethlehem are believers who get encouraged. That's a good work. And then the third reason is that we bond as a body, don't we? And that's a good work. And the first reason is we evangelize the lost. And that happened too. So be encouraged that it was a worthwhile endeavor. Um, Jim Schneider is at his end. And he for 20 years has dedicated himself to the journey to Bethlehem. So there's a guest book in the narthex. And Ken Dixon had a good thought that the people who went through would sign it. Saying something that stood out. But we're his brothers and sisters. So you could sign it too. And I will give it to his wife, Tootie, and or him this week. So um, that's the journey kind of recap. Thank you so much. Well done. Moving to um, Christmas Eve, Sunday the 24th. It is a normal Sunday in that sense, but unique in that it's Christmas Eve. We're going to have one service. So 9.30, same time, but there'll be no second hour. Okay? And then um, the women's retreat, we'll have a couple more announcements, but that's January 26th, 27th, 28th. You can sign up online or in the narthex. Um, and so let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that we did stay a few extra minutes, but um, we're reflecting and honoring people who have sp spent dozens of hours laboring to celebrate your son, to put him up, to lift him up and to proclaim him. And we would just pray that the mother whom I spoke to and many others who heard of you, that your spirit would, as Brian has mentioned, kind of put a rock 
in, in, in the sole of their shoe, so to speak. And, and it would just kind of work on them. Who is this Jesus? What difference does he make? Why does he matter? And we pray that for each of us who know the answer to that question will be encouraged this season. In Jesus' name, amen. Please do put up the chairs.